dial star 611 for assistance as your cellular phone is not authorized for use at this time. Pour de l'assistance, veuillez composer étoile 611. Vous n'avez pas le... Hello, podcast listener. Everything around you that you call life was made by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. The App Guy Podcasts, straight from your host, Paul the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul the App Guy. Welcome to the App Guy Podcast. My name is Paul Kemp. I'm your host. I've got a terrific interview lined up for you this week. I've got uh, Lou Franco. He's the founder of Greenwave Solutions. And I'm really thrilled that we've got Lou because he's only just started this company. Um, we've, we've got Lou fresh and we can listen to uh, all the trials and tribulations of uh, how it's going starting Greenwave Solutions. But of course, he's got a, a wonderful history as well that he can share with us. He's been involved with mobile for over a decade now. He's been serving as the senior leadership team in, on three different startups, which we can talk about. But also, he's a co-author as well and has written a, a book called Hello iOS Development. So I'm thrilled, Lou, that you've taken time out of your day to join the podcast and share your experiences. Perhaps, you know, I've taken a minute there to just introduce yourself, but but if you can talk about yourself, uh, your your career, and give us a little taste of uh, your business. Okay. So uh, th- thanks again, Paul. I'm, I'm really happy to, to, to join you on this podcast. Um, I started uh, as a software developer in 1992. I uh, grew up in New York City, and I worked in the financial software industry um, for a startup that was writing trader applications. That that startup was uh, called Astrogamma, and it was acquired um, in about 96, 97. Um, then I went to join uh, a consultancy that also uh, turned into a startup that uh, got funded in around the 2000 timeframe. At that company, we uh, decided to port our developer tools to the IPAC the Compaq's iPack um, handhelds. And so that was my first experience with mobile development, uh, writing in J2ME and for Windows CE uh, uh, devices. Uh, I eventually moved to Northampton, Massachusetts, uh, joined a, a startup called Italisoft that was acquired two years ago, two and a half years ago by Kofax. Uh, we did um, image processing toolkits and uh, a part of that is also developing uh, image processing GUIs and capture GUIs for mobile devices. Uh, and I just left that company in November and started Greenwave Solutions uh, as a software business co- consultancy. And I'm, like I said, just getting started. Uh, I started with iPhone app development pretty much as soon as the SDK was launched, uh, so uh, along with iOS 2. And um, I have a few, a couple of apps in the app store, but uh, mostly my app development has been professional uh, development inside of corporations on internal applications or um, toolkits uh, for use by developers. Well, that, that, that's great, and uh, so we're really interested in talking about your experience there with the startups because I think people listening to this podcast are actually in that predicament where they're potentially working for a corporation and there, mm-hmm. there is an allure that startups have there's an attraction to be uh, to working for startups you're a guy that's actually been through that yes. what's it like what's it like in your experience working in a startup well uh <laughs> that's a good 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 question uh, i think one of the one of the things uh that i loved is that uh, there's an opportunity if you are 
want to see a lot of different parts of a business to, to see to see them in a startup. So um, there's not a lot of people and they need a lot of things to get done. And uh, if you're the kind of person who uh, has varied interests, um, there, there's an opportunity to see that and to participate in, in, in all the parts of the business. So I, for example, at, at Italisoft, um, I was the, the head of uh, the development team, but um, there was an opportunity at, at, at a point in the company where we didn't uh, where we needed marketing leadership as w- and I took on the, um, the the marketing leadership role as well uh, because our customers were software developers. It made sense that uh, a software developer would be the one the, the front face of the marketing. Um, team and uh, developed that, uh, developed content for that, and had a Twitter presence and blog presence, and and just led uh, some of some of the um, the ways we interacted with development uh, developers, uh, Stack Overflow presence, and and so forth. So uh, and really took it a di- did it a different way than maybe someone coming at from a market angle might do it. But that would be very hard to do at a, a very large company. Um, uh, and there's all kinds of examples I know of friends like d- doing that sort of thing. Given that you were in marketing, what seemed to work for you and, and what would you suggest to people to actually stay away from? Because I guess marketing can cover so many different things. Right. So, well, <laughs> the, 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 the main thing to do, uh, I think, is to have a product that the market wants. Um, and, and that goes a long way to making marketing much easier. Then, then you, it's more, um, just how do you, you know, how do you let people know about it? So if, if you have a product that meets the market's problems, then, you know, there are great things you can do. So, you know, we, we did AdWords. I think that's very effective in a market where people, you know, people have the problem that you solve and are actively searching for it on Google, AdWords can work well. I would not recommend this for 99 cent apps, but we sold enterprise software um, where the price points made made sense for, for ads. Um, uh, and let's just go into the detail yeah. there because I think this is starting to get really interesting and I, I, I know that we're probably going to run over the, right. the t- time because I, uh, I'm being a little bit selfish okay. I'm asking questions based on what, I, what I'm interested right. in. I tell you, AdWords, um, I've run a few campaigns and do you tend to focus on desktops or do you actually pinpoint mobiles or iPhones or any particular device when you're doing right. AdWords? So it, again, you have this, this, uh, a lot of this depends on what your market, when your market might be looking for you. So we are targeting developers who are programming. They're most likely doing that from a desktop um, using either Visual Studio or Xcode or, or Eclipse and then they need a tool uh, we sell developer toolkit um, for image processing and capture. Very, very likely they're going to be going on a desktop browser. Um, we so that that was our our focus. Our landing pages were were very much geared towards them coming coming that way, trying to get them to do an evaluation. The toolkit it runs on on uh, Windows or Macs, so you definitely need to to be. Um, at one of those when you're down to, to do the call to action. Uh, if you are in the app marketing business um, and you, you, you want people to actually try your app, then I would very much consider, you know, in-app uh, advertising, you know, Facebook advertising, if that makes sense, if you're in a consumer uh, space, um, seems to be doing very well um, and very much focusing on getting, getting any kind of marketing consumable inside of apps or 
inside of um, websites when viewed on a mobile device. Because then they can act right there. They can go right to the app store and download your app without having to you know, coordinate an activity between desktop and mobile. That's great. Did you have any particular favorites other than AdWords when you were doing in-app ads? So uh, an, a, another important thing is, you know, along with AdWords, um, is, to, is to concentrate on the SEO of your own site. Uh, we did had a content marketing strategy, uh, creating all kinds of content, sample applications, uh, blogs, tutorials, white papers, um, just all the kinds of things that we might have wanted to advertise for, but trying to get free clicks through SEO. Um, and we uh, tried to do things that would draw attention to us, draw links, um, and, and, get, and make sure that we can be among the top uh, hits on a Google search for the problems in our domain. So I think those kind of go have to go hand in hand. If you're if it's worth advertising, it's usually worth doing SEO as well. Um, yes, and I, I can imagine that uh, you know people listening to this perhaps think they can do SEO themselves. Is it worth outsourcing that? Do you think uh, to the experts, or would you keep keep that in house? I think um, my, my biggest issue with that is it's very hard. The, the SEO uh, arena is filled with all kinds of people who um, are potentially dangerous to your business. If you don't know something about it yourself, you might not be a good uh, uh, d d be able to discern um, the difference between someone who's acting on your behalf and and maybe someone who's doing tricks that will get you penalties. So th the best thing I can say about SEO is um, don't do anything. <laughs> If the point of that doing that thing is to get high up in Google, do things that are valuable, do things that that are you know that create value for the end the end reader, and um, if you do the, if you concentrate in doing those kinds of things, um, you, you and then just learn how to structure it properly for Google, you know the right way to put keywords into your titles and H1, um, and then learn the right ways to uh, get people to give attention to it through links, again, not paying for them or making a whole bunch of fake sites or anything like that, um, then, uh, and grow it organically, then, then you can have a sustainable plan for SEO um, and not uh, a trick that, you know, rockets you to the top in the short term, but long term, you know, gets you un unwarranted attention from Google and penalties. So this is good advice. And I actually... Looking at your career, you've worked for you know these startups. Clearly, you've gained all this experience and you've had the confidence to set up on your own. Is this the first time that you've founded a, a company that you're, you're calling the shots on? Yeah, yes, it is. So yeah, the, yeah. So you've obviously seen something uh, that you've had. What, what what did it feel like then to make that decision to start your own thing? Well, it's something I I have been wanting to do for for quite a while. Um, I think. Uh, I've been spending the last part of my career, the last, let's say, five uh, to ten years preparing um, to to put myself into a position where this would be an easy thing to do. Um, you know, I can't uh, <laughs> emphasize enough things like, you know, making sure you're, you, you, you put yourself into a good financial position um, for when you might want to go out on your own so that you're not uh, desperate uh, um, to, to make money very quickly and and or have to do things um, 
that you, you, you know that are not what what, what your the reasons why you're start starting the business. Um, get getting the grant the, the experience and uh, in the various different companies and um, and the network uh, that that would help me um, get started uh, are all the things I've been doing in the you know like let's say in the past decades so that I could be prepared when the time is right to to, to branch out on my own. You know, I, 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 that resonates with me so much, having uh, a almost a, an escape plan where you... Uh, and actually, it's just interesting hearing you say that. So anyone listening to this podcast may think they want to quickly get out, but in fact, they they could almost treat their current role as a, a learning ground, uh, you know, in, in preparation for when the time is right to, to kind of go it alone. And I've, I've never spoken to anyone who's had a 10-year plan to start their own business. It sounds like a great idea. I wish yeah. I wish I had that idea. Well, I was l- lucky enough to be in some startups where I, uh, and have, a, and have a, a leadership role where I could get the, you know, where I felt, you know, and, and you know, uh, small amounts, not a founder, but small amounts of equity. So I could participate in, in the, uh, in the success of the company. So, um, because of that, I, I didn't feel a great urgency to do it immediately. <laughs> you know, yeah. some people might be in other positions. Uh, I, I, I would recommend that if you're not in the financial situation to go and, and, and start a startup that, uh, that you know, there are great jobs out there. <laughs> like you don't have, and if you, if it, the reason you you want to do it is because you just don't like your job, like just know that if you're a top developer, uh, the the demands for your skills are 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 uh, quite high. The the number of great developers is low, especially in the mobile space. And you know, you don't have to work at at a job you don't like, no matter where you are in the world. Um, if you're a top developer, so concentrate on you know. Uh, Making sure that you you know that you're really great at what you do, and then go get the go get a job with a company that appreciates that. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And what what did you do then? So it was in November that you actually started Greenwave yep. Solutions. How did you go about that? What um, what was the first things that you started to do? So you know, I I um, was lucky enough to be able to to start the company with a client. Uh, as someone that was in my network approached me um, uh, about. Uh, need, needing some advice and help on, on a project and I felt like um, that it was something that I could take on and it was an opportunity that I could launch my my consultancy with that project um, so that just is how it turned out in the timing uh, of it um, you know I'd been thinking about when it when I was going to start and when exactly that that would be, and not you know, not even thinking it was necessarily now. It could be in a year or a year or two. I wasn't wasn't <laughs> uh, uh, doing. wasn't looking for the immediate uh, pl- uh, plans, but it, it's something that happened, and I, I jumped at the opportunity to do that. Um, so uh, so that that's that's the first part of uh, uh, you know the first couple of weeks of this company is mostly just doing the groundwork and preparation for that project and. Working on my business somewhat, you know, putting up my website and um, uh, you know networking and trying to build up a pipeline. Um, A really important thing if you're a consultant is to constantly be, uh, you know, talking to people, 
organizing a pipeline where you where you keep track of of, of various uh, your various contacts and who you what you've talked about and at what stage in the project they might be in and when when the next time you're going to contact them and so forth uh, just like you know, the things that um, are so natural to a salesperson but it really uh, may be unnatural to a software developers uh, but you have to do it or especially if you're running your own business especially if it's a consultancy where you where you do need to sell um, your your um, your your skills uh so um that's what i've been mostly doing and it's probably a good idea to tell us a little bit about greenwave solutions right so uh we're uh i'm a software business uh, management consultant so um and that's everything from strategy to execution on software projects um i have a you know like a I've been talking about i i have a, a deep background in the mobile space but i also really believe that all projects potentially are mobile projects because that's you know we're we're at the point where um uh uh you have to be considering that for anything that anything that you're doing um so uh i can do everything from advice to execution on the project so actually doing them or help help you um interface with the development team if you're the if you're on the business side and just have no development experience whatsoever and have engaged uh uh, a, a team, maybe you're using an offshore team or whatever, and just need someone on your side doing helping you with the project management. That's something um, that I can That's help you do. Interesting, you said you started with a client. Uh, I've uh, spoken yeah. to uh, a few founders who said that that was a great start for them because it kind of meant that there was the first customer in the door, mm -hmm. and so you could focus on actually delivering value right. rather than uh, immediately going out and trying to market and get customers for something that you're not quite sure of. So. I think right. I've heard that time and time again, starting with a game plan and starting with a client seems to be a very common thing to, to successful startups. So, so did you go about getting uh, any capital? No, I'm, I'm funding it. Uh, my, I mean, at this point, um, the, o the only uh, costs are really my salary so um so I, I'm, <laughs> which is always I, uh, the one that takes a hit the, the start, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually the best you know one of the best times to to be able to to be in the software business everything everything is uh very low cost tools and um access to you know cloud infrastructure or any, anything that you might need is uh very affordable and uh so um uh, like i said you know be, you know making sure that you're uh that you put your financial ducks in a row uh is, is a really, I think, an important step in being able to go off on your own. And so I, um, that's what I did. And I just think it's very ironic that uh, my experience was I spent over a decade in the city of London and every year I'd have a, an annual review and my entire goal was to get more money and a higher salary. And then as soon mm -hmm. as I started on my own, I never had one conversation with myself about raising, <laughs> raising my wages. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a whole different ball game, And, uh, you know, maybe right. we could talk a little bit about that because people are probably listening to this and is there a mindset change do you think I mean you're lucky because you work for startups so you're kind of like been in that that field but do you think that maybe people from tra transitioning from corporate life to right. working for themselves is is there a mindset shift you believe that we need to get into and how long does that tend to take right well well I, I would say um, I would hope you do it immediately, and there is a mindset change. Um, uh, so, you know, in most jobs, you are um, your goals are going to be uh, dictated by the company's 
uh, overall goals, unless you're the CEO of the company, you know, you're, you're somewhere down the, the org structure, you're, 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 you have a mission, you have goals, you have, uh, you know, even maybe to some extent, depending on, on where you are, you know, exact task list. And so there's no, no question what, usually what you're supposed to do each day when you come in to work. Um, when, when you have your own company, um, it's quite different. Um, it could be very easy to, to, to find yourself uh, uh, distracted or um, uh, not knowing what to do, not knowing where to focus, jumping from project to project, um, and not uh, uh, having a, a singular... Uh, um, or at least a, a, an effective way of, 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 of delivering value. So I, I, I would say, um, you know, that the mindset changes, just know that it's up to you to create the value that your company is going to deliver and to, dis- and to figure out how to find the people uh, who have the problems, what problems they have, and, and the solutions you're going to offer. It, that's your job. And so... Um, uh, and you know, probably the best thing to do is to start thinking that before you you make the leap, and uh, so that it, there's no question that um, uh, that you'll do that. And, and how important is it with the support around you, with your family, friends? Is that something that's critical, or do we have to kind of ignore their advice? You know, what, what's your experience with that? Well, I certainly um, I'm lucky to have uh, the support of my wife uh, in in um, in, uh, in in this. And I don't think uh, I would be able to do that if if if, if um, she wasn't on board. Um, in you know, I'm in the U.S., so we have don't have uh, like for instance, <laughs> we we don't have um, universal health care. Uh, luckily, you know, she has Not a job. Like the UK, yeah, with the NHS, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So she has a job where I can be on her health care. That's a really <laughs> really uh, <laughs> um, helpful. Uh, 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 but it's also there's a lot more to it than that, you know. Obviously, she she has to um, uh, uh, be okay with you know a different kind of work lifestyle for me. I'll to travel more, um, and uh, that's uh, and you know obviously work a lot more at least at the start um, as I have to d- devote. I have client time, and then I need time to work on my business as well, and so that has to be you know in the extra time that I have. Um, so. I, I think it's critical. Um, I also am very lucky to have an extended family. It's very enthusiastically supports me in, in what, whatever I do, and it, I, I I love that that happens, and they're um, uh, all very uh, you know enthusiastic. So that that does help. I, I think I think it, it helps to have a social structure that that um, that supports you. I so just, I just know from my own experience. I mean, I, I was also. Uh, in a position where I had to go and have a, a good conversation with my wife and, uh, you know, I guess my friends and family around me. And what I think anyone listening to this, the, you know, the idea behind this podcast is to inspire people to, to make a, a jump or do something that they have been slightly thinking about. And I would say that for, for my own experience, uh, it's quite surprising when you actually have these conversations that the, the people around you that care about you don't judge you on uh, how much money you're making at the end of the day. They are actually more um, thoughtful on your your well-being, your happiness, and your sense of purpose. And they can see uh, it's only after they see the difference in you when you go from working uh, for an employer to perhaps then working on your own and and seeing the you know the new enthusiastic. Uh, <laughs> partner that they have I, I don't know I just found that, that I was quite surprised uh, and anyone listening to this would be 
uh, surprised as well at the reaction that they'll get from friends and family because uh, but it's it's certainly important as well especially if you have a wife that works and uh, helps out like me <laughs> so this is all really good stuff and um, you know you also have uh, written a book uh, hello iOS development uh, what is that giving you that do you think the credibility is so, so you can go into uh, consulting and does that give you the leads and the, what, how does that help and how important has that been into your career uh, I think the 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 main thing it's helped is it uh, gives gives uh, a, a sample of, of um, uh, my communication style my writing ability to people who, who, who might not know me at all I definitely uh, does uh, give you a, a certain amount of credibility, um, and uh, but for me, th- th- my main purpose of writing the book is because I honestly really wanted there to be a book that was geared towards uh, the people who have the enthusiasm of, of being in an app developer, but maybe have absolutely none uh, of the the skill set yet uh, for for do for doing that. So don't don't know anything about programming, haven't been a programmer even in another language, or are very very new to pro- programming. And so I, the book is written in a very uh, lighthearted style, has a lot of cartoons. Uh, Manning has uh, the publisher has gone and um, made a uh, an arrangement with uh, the the user the the comic strip user friendly to use their their comic strips. Um, in the in the and their characters in the book, uh, it's and it's a, it's uh, really geared towards trying to um, to bring app development to a different audience, um, not not people who uh, might not uh, be able to have any chance of reading or uh, a typical development book, um, even one that might be easier. Like this is, I think, an even um, more introductory text. And, and anyone listening should go and check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes after we've uh, finished talking. I'll put that in. So, uh, yeah, go and check it out. Definitely worth a, a read. And so what other ways are there, do you think, uh, to build credibility right. in this space? Uh, not many people have a book inside them right. yourself. And what, what other ways can people well, go about well, just kind of building credibility? Well, two, two, two things that I did before the book um, that, that helped me um, uh, uh even be write a credible proposal for the book. Uh, one, it, you know, you don't need any permission at all to go start a blog and just start uh, writing about some of the things you're running into with your own app development. Um, I uh, did that. I wrote about some of the. You know, I'm particularly. Um, uh, I would say my, the most popular pages on my blog have to do with memory debugging. Memory. Mem- uh, debugging things like uh, exe bad access and any kind of pointer p- pointer bugs. I have a, a my background before this was C and C plus plus development, so I have a very deep understanding of, of of what that is and how to debug it and all the various techniques that you could do. Um, it's gotten a lot better with Arc, but even that doesn't save you um, in all cases. And um, the other thing that I did was I was, I'm very active on Stack Overflow, answering questions in the on the iOS and Objective C tags, um, and tr- just generally trying to be helpful. So by the time um, I was talking to Manning, I had already had somewhat of a, 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 a of a proof that I knew what I was talking about that I had that I had um, you know uh, a, a lot of. Uh, uh, reputation points on Stack Overflow, particularly in the tags that are related to the book. That I that I had tons of writing samples because of my blog um, that they could look at, and it just made it a lot easier to um, to to make the pitch for the book. 
you know, I think there may be people listening who use Stack Overflow uh, simply as a Google res result, and it's always pretty much top one to three. And, and perhaps those people are not contributing to Stack Overflow. And what I'm hearing from you is it's actually very important to get on there and start contributing and being a, a you know, a content provider to, to answering these questions rather than just someone pulling uh, information from Google and, and trying to solve the right, right problem. It depends, depends on your goals, uh, you know, whether it might, might be worthwhile to you. Um, I'm in particular very interested in, in developing for the developer market. So having a presence in the developer market, as a developer myself, and having a presence in the developer market is important to me. Uh, and so so certainly that's um, where, where I, I feel I can add value and, uh, and have it be in the market that I care about. But that's not, you know, if you're targeting, let's say you're writing an application that's for, you know, what something else, like for uh, doctors or for dentists or whatever it is, you know, like you can, there are places where you can go add value there and get known there. Um, but if you're, if you're at all interested in, in, in um, writing, especially in, de in the development space, then yeah, I definitely think um, it's being able to say, you know, that you have a certain reputation in the tags that you're that that they would be interested in is certainly a way. There are certain there are also um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, blogs that accept um, uh, external writers to write for them. All kinds of tutorial blogs and mobile blogs where you can uh, apply to be a, a writer and uh, give them content. Uh, that's another way, a very uh, a simpler way than book writing but to to get your writing out there. And get some reputation. Yeah, what I'm hearing from you, Lou, is that there's basically a responsibility that we all have to ourselves to manage our own brand. We are the brand yeah. online, and that it's important to us to actually go about and, and you know kind of manage that online as well. Uh, so you know, we've in in the, perhaps the last five minutes, I wanted to I wanted mm. to get through a, a lot more stuff. So I'm going to ask some kind of quick questions and just kind of go through okay. these to, to get through uh, as much as we can in the time that we have. So what what I tend to ask people is what what actually was holding you back? You you mentioned that you were ten years in preparing for this. What do you think was holding you back from actually setting up your own consultancy firm? I that it's it's probably the best thing uh, to hold me back. I, I had a really great job. Great job. I I loved it. It um it was at a great company, great great uh, people, and I just had no urgency to to, to leave. I, I it was something I was always going to do. I, I knew I'd be able. I knew that it, there was no rush, and I really wanted to see through the the the, the company through its acquisition and um and uh, growth. And so, also, what do you think was the best advice you received? Right, uh, a a really great piece of uh, recent advice that I got was um, this. Uh, one of the managers in the company was talking to me about how he's approached his career, and he said something along the lines of. Um, Whenever there was a, a project or a situation that looked like a, a, a that it was just going to be horrible and um, uh, uh, have a you know tremendous amounts of personal risk in it, but had it also with it the possibility of of doing really well and being having a lot of reward, he always ran towards that. Yes, and um, um, I really took that to heart and tried to try to. Uh, not worry too much about the risk of projects, but if they were important, if they were going to be the thing that moved the needle in the company, that, that that's what I—that's the part I wanted to work on. Right. And also, 
what do you think are your personal habits uh, that are mm. most successful and has uh, the, the habits that have actually helped you over the uh, years? So uh, it's funny because um, I, I don't know, we didn't even talk about this, but my, my uh, first iPhone app is called Habits and it's about hab- hab- <laughs> habit tracking. I happen to have a, a great interest in habits. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> hey, tell but, us about the app then because that sounds like so, a great So the, app, the app is, uh, you know, now in the, in the app store there's probably like 30, 40 different habit tracking um, apps. And, they're, they're, you know, again, um, you know, my, my app was one of the first that did it. That's why I have the name, I got the name Habits because it wasn't taken uh, at the time. But uh, it's basically, it's basic habit tracking. You put in the habits that you want, how often you want to do them, and it reminds you to do them um, and uh, tracks how often you're doing them, gives you some stats. Uh, and, um, and incidentally, if anyone reaches out to me on, on Twitter at following this and wants a promo code, I'd be happy, happy to, to, to give you, to give you that. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. And I definitely want to get a link to that app as well. Right. Um, put on the show notes. So uh, that's, that's so interesting. You've actually created an app that follows habits right. and so, are, you, are you using I am. App? So my, my app developing habit, and it's funny that, uh, I, I listened to your, your, your podcast with Joe where he said, uh, code, just start off the morning, just code every day, code a code a line every day. I have a similar habit, which is, um, get a new passing unit test every day. Um, so, uh, so that kind of allows me to um, either, you know, get a new piece of my app, you know, under 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 test, or if there's just nothing interesting to test, you know, create new functionality so to, to be tested. But that green, that new green dot, or you know, is my indication that I've at least done a little bit of, I've added a little bit to the to the application. Um, <laughs> oh, that's that's interesting and. Yeah. Um, do, do you have any other resources uh, that we haven't mentioned yet that you could actually point people to? Any internet resources or anything you tend to use? Any apps, whatever you kind of think that helps you? Well, um, hmm. so I, I, one of the things that, that uh, I use for, I don't see this mentioned often, but uh, paper prototyping. Um, there's an app, I think it's called Pop or prototype on paper it's an uh, you can get it from the from the app store it lets you just draw um on you know in your notebook and then take pictures of the, of the app screens and then make them come alive a little by giving uh, um uh hot spots where you can touch and have do, do screen transitions i find that's a really uh simple way to, to do prototypes without getting too bogged down in, in, in tooling um, and, uh, you know, dr- drawing on a computer. And so, and, le- and lets you really prototype wherever you are. All you need is your phone and a notebook and, um, and you can start, you can do some prototypes. Okay. Well, I'm going to link to that in the show notes. That's, uh, that's called pop the app store in the app store. Yeah. Uh, prototype on paper, I think. Yeah. yeah. Prototype on paper. And also the, the habits app that you mentioned and all the mm. other things that we've uh, discussed. Um, I tend to like this last question um, because I think that, and actually asking you, it's mm, probably not so relevant. I, I tend to ask people, you know, if you could go back and talk to your former self, right. what advice would you give yourself? I, I guess you've just started your company. Um, right. So we're talking about going back uh, one month or two months. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's still relevant, you know. If you could right, go back right. a couple of months, say, and 
you, you've now, you know, you know, you've actually had two months now where your, your company's yeah. been running. Um, right. Would you do anything differently? Uh, what would you? Uh, what, what advice would you give yourself if uh, you had another opportunity to? So um, right, right in the beginning, because because it was unplanned start, I had a vacation planned. Um, uh, right, right. When you know, my last day of work, two two days, and then I went away vacation to Florida. Um, I uh, I guess I would say double that take two weeks off <laughs> before you before you start <laughs> uh, because uh that uh relaxation put me in the right mindset to really hit the ground running and um you know i'm sure i didn't do anything in the first week that couldn't have been put off <laughs> another week <laughs> uh, that's probably in so in the transition take a good amount of time off so that we yeah. you come fully fighting in, into the new role yeah, yeah. well if there's not uh, nothing else that you can think of that perhaps we haven't shared uh, what was the what's the well is there anything else you'd like to tell our audience or kind of any advice that you, you think you've forgotten uh well you know one of the one of the things um uh that i heard you talk about with others is your failures um you know what you know what uh what kinds of failures have you had and um one of the, i just wanted to say something I just say something about that. Uh, one, almost every failure that I've had is when um, I thought about how cool the tech was, or how cool the the, the idea or solution, or um, the the app or tool that I that I was going to make was, without considering first what problem it actually solved. Um, and so I, I would say, you know, if, if people haven't listened to Erica Sadoon's talk about, you know, the first step in app marketing is, you know, have a compelling app, you know, and um, uh, or, uh, you know, just just think about, you know, there are things that people are trying to get done in their lives. How can you help them do that and not so worry about like. For instance, like the cool dynamic animations inside of inside of iOS seven, or how you're going to use some cool cool feature that you're just in love with. Um, and uh, every mistake that I've ever made in, early in my career was thinking too much about how cool something was from a tech perspective, and not enough um, on what what business value it was going to add to someone's lives. Well, you've been very successfully, uh, well, you successfully managed to navigate that back full circle because we started yeah. talking out uh, initially about marketing and what's the yeah. best thing you, you can do for marketing is to create a terrific app or a compelling solution or product yeah. that just kind of really does solve a problem. And so you've managed yeah. to successfully uh, bring that full circle. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you're doing my job better than I am, I think. And uh, <laughs> Uh, so how best can we reach out you mentioned that you'd be happy for people to kind of contact you and reach out to you how, how best yeah. can we contact you yeah so um, on Twitter I'm Lou Franco on Twitter uh, and that that's a great way um, I also have a, my personal site is loufranco.com and I uh, uh, th there's ways to contact me on there um, and I'm happy to talk to any developer anytime about whatever uh, uh, problems they might be having and um, please do feel free to reach out to me uh, if, if you have any questions about anything that we talked about or anything else yes and I'll certainly put those on the show notes and also all the other things that we've mentioned through the show well you know Lou it's, it's come to that time where I actually really appreciate you spending uh, you know the 50 odd minutes that we've been on this uh, podcast yep. now it's amazing how the time just flows so quickly when you're totally into the conversation so thank yeah. you very much i'd love to have you back on it's still a yep. uh, especially you know given that uh, 
maybe uh, after a few more months of uh, you kind of in the thick of it with your own company, right. then we can get an update from you on how it's going and the other lessons you've learned as you go through this wonderful journey that you're, you're kind of embarking yeah. on right now. So it just takes me to say thank you very much, Lou Franco, for joining us on uh, the App Guy podcast. And I will uh, hopefully get a chance to speak to you again soon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Paul. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. And if you do have any ideas on who we should interview, please send that email to info at onemob.com. That's info at o n e m o b.com. 